Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. Just want to say thank you to everybody at Mark's Daily Apple for spreading the word about the podcast. There's so many episodes that have blown up over there on the forums and people are just going crazy at Dr. Milham's Dirty Electricity episode. Uh, also, you got to check out my new project. It's healthbloggerpro.com, and this is going to teach you step-by-step of how you go from zero to your own website, podcast, writing books, generating income, getting more coaching clients, sort of doing what I do because more people are interested in how I do this as opposed to actually asking questions about health these days. So Health Blogger Pro, you can go sign up and get your first three steps by putting in your email. Here we go. Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm here with Stephanie Gardro. Is it Gardro? Gardro. Gardro. Okay. <laughs> it, when you look at it, it looks like it'd be easier to pronounce, and then you actually go to try to say it, and you're like, your tongue just gets tied. So, <laughs> Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. So, you run the blog called Stupid Easy Paleo that has this cute little button here that says since 2011, which nowadays, 2011 is kind of you know, almost like an OG, I mean, when it comes to the health world, because in the last, I mean, even since I started in 2012, every week there's a new paleo expert. So you've definitely seen the gamut and you've seen the rise of paleo. So maybe we could kind of start there and talk about what you've seen over the last four or five years. Ooh, it is, it, it is a, it's crazy. It is wild and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was actually blogging about food in general and recipes and cooking before I had Stupid Easy Paleo. I used to have a just a personal blog where I more or less wrote about my mountain biking exploits, but I would write recipes on the blog because I didn't want to forget them. So it was almost like a virtual recipe box before those things actually existed. And uh, and then in, in 2010, I went paleo, so January 10th, 2010. Um, Not that I remember it, but I decided to, well, people were like, why don't you just start a food blog? You blog about food and recipes and stuff. And I thought, hmm, okay, I'll do that. So in 2011, I put together Stupid Easy Paleo as a a WordPress.com free blog and had no idea what I was doing or getting myself into. (laughs) And here I am. And I think at the time, you know, I I was following people like Mel Juwan and Michelle Tam and Rob Wolf. So those were kind of my three folks that I would read. But it was, and there were maybe a handful of cookbooks, probably three. <laughs> so it is, yeah, in the last four year, four or five years, it has completely, it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's grown exponentially and then some probably but it's been uh it's been cool to see how stuff has evolved and new people are are coming out all the time like you said but there's still i still have my tried and true people that i i read all the time too definitely and and i think you know what happens over time too is the people who really have a unique angle or a real voice which hopefully i'm one of those people they start to stand out more and even people like yourself because there's only so many spins that you can put on the same advice. I mean, and you've seen that, you know, from a marketing standpoint. I mean, there's only so many bucks that you can milk out of the system with these same ideas. But people that have more experience, like for you, experience in the gym and figuring out how diet and training actually combine together. I mean, that's sort of a special, unique skill that a lot of people don't have, you know. So I think. I think you're in a good spot because you have found something that you're passionate about as opposed to just let me try to make this blanket statement again and repackage it and resell it. Yeah, growth has always been something that I've 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 kept kind of an eye on and you know, where are we in terms of and we meaning stupid easy paleo, which is myself and my husband helps me with my website. So it's basically a team of two and I have a, a virtual assistant who helps me with some social media, but you know, we have a really small team and, and we kind of, you know, keep an eye on where things are, but my tactic has always been just keep helping people, just keep doing things that are helpful, that solve problems for people and taking kind of the long game, you know, the slow and steady wins the race. Uh, approach instead of always trying to f- game the system and figure out how are we going to go viral and how am I going to have a post that's going to get shared 
you know, and, and go crazy. And then all of a sudden I'm on somebody's TV show or something like that. That's never been the goal. It's just been to do the work that's really important and the stuff that's going to help people at the end of the day. So that's kind of my philosophy on things. And, you know, you kind of see the long, slow growth over time. And uh, it's funny when people are new to the site and stuff, they're like, wow, like this is all so great and put together. And, you know, that's been an evolution. It's it's all it's taken years to get to that point. Totally. Yeah. And a lot of people now I'll let you speak on this. But to me, it seems like a lot of people, everybody has this idea and, and we'll get we'll get to your book because this I mean, even just the cover of the book looks great, you know, from a from a look perspective. It's like, man, what's inside? But, you know, I want to spend some time here talking about some of the some of the business aspect, like how this actually plays a role in your health, because someone that's into paleo and things like that, you clearly have a mindset where you need to balance out your life. And you're always trying to seek balance between whether it's training your personal life, you know, spending time with your spouse, things like that. But, you know, being sucked into the internet and being some sort of a desk jockey, like we are, there's a certain point where it gets derailed. And uh, I find a lot of people are disconnected from what it actually is they think if you're like a paleo entrepreneur that you just have some dream life where you're sitting under palm trees just drinking fresh coconut water which maybe sometimes you are but a lot of the times you're you're looking at a screen and having eye fatigue and you know wearing yourself (laughs) out so so fill us in a little bit on that i mean because you've been doing this longer than me so tell me kind of what you've gone through well there was a, a significant period of time where the blog existed as kind of a hobby, and I was teaching high school chemistry and biology at the local public high school. So it was it was something I did in my spare time, and it was fun, and I just did it, and um, it didn't consume everything that I did because I had another job, and I was training um, at the time for CrossFit and CrossFit regionals, and I spent a decent amount of time in the gym, but... I, I kind of had this feeling that I needed to transition out of these the traditional four walls of the classroom. I was really not happy with the bureaucracy of teaching. And, um, you know, I miss the kids sometimes. <laughs> but I just feel like I'm a teacher in a different way now. You know, I, I teach to a much different audience, but it's still kind of at the heart of what I do. So in 2013, uh, the school year finished in June, and I asked for a leave of absence for a year because I didn't have enough guts to just quit. <laughs> but I thought, all right, I have all these ideas for Stupid Easy Paleo, these things I want to do, but I know I can't, I can't make them happen. I don't have enough hours in the day um, with all this other stuff. So I, I gave myself a year, and I said, well, sink or swim, I'm going to figure it out. And if, if it goes terribly wrong, I can go back to school and start teaching again. And uh, I hit the ground running, and a year elapsed very quickly, <laughs> much to my surprise. And I was, you know, this is June of 2014, and I had to decide if I was leaving or not, and I left for good. And uh, so then I became like a, a real full time self employed entrepreneur doing this stuff online. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a struggle. I have to really be careful because I'm I'm a real just a workhorse. If you put me on a project, I'll just dive in. I get really um, kind of tunnel vision, and I'll I'll do whatever it takes to get it done. But just like you were saying about eye fatigue, I was working on a couple of of lead pages the other day, and you know, just my eyeballs are falling out of my head. And I yeah. thought I need to go to the gym and just get away. So. You know, it's hard when you're working for yourself. You have big goals, big aspirations, projects, and, and you're just like, if you're a, t- a small team or a team of one, you know, it's really important to prioritize and not try to multitask your way through the day because you just find at the end of the day you haven't really accomplished anything. So um, taking a break midday and going to the gym is one way I self-regulate with that. So I, I go and I lift and throw some barbells around for a while and then come back and you feel a little bit mentally renewed because I haven't been staring at the screen all day. But, but yeah, it's still a challenge. It's a huge challenge to not just get sucked in and, uh, you know, you look up and you've forgotten to eat or it's getting dark out. That's what so, I was going to say. I was going to say, I bet that you're, you're guilty like myself of skipping meals. 
And that's been an issue for me for blood sugar reasons. I mean, because you know how adrenally taxing all of the stuff is, and especially you doing, you know, a lot of performance lifting. You got to have that food. And then you realize, like, I'm freaking shaking on the keyboard trying to finish an article. I need to eat. I haven't eaten. And it's what, 2 p.m., you know? It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. You know, it just takes, I think, some just being conscious of it. And, Right now, I, I have a meet coming up, so I'm I'm prepping for that, and I've been forcing myself to eat like three really good meals, and I've been forcing myself to get my one gram of protein per pound of, of body weight, and I feel so much better when I do it, but especially when I was working on my cookbook, and then I was shooting another book as a, a freelancer for somebody else, you know, I would get so involved in, in all that stuff, and working with natural light and stuff, there's so much time dependency on that, that... I'd, you know, I'd not eat and then it would be two o'clock in the afternoon, like you said. So it's, um, you know, I think it was, uh, it was Rob Wolf who said something like, you know, writing books doesn't make you healthier. Um, it's, you have to be really careful. And, and I was kind of, I was proud when I, uh, finished doing performance paleo, I did a, I did the state weightlifting meet and I got personal best. Um, in one of my lifts and I was like you know what I came out of that and I feel like I survived the whole book writing ordeal but it's only because I was really disciplined with making myself take a break and and go work out and and just stepping away from my work so I could be better at the work that I was trying to do yeah I need to I need to take my own advice and and not do that I'm going to send you my my second book called stress solutions when we're done it's an ebook but I mean, the stress that I put myself through to to meet my deadline of stress solutions. I mean, people don't understand a lot of the times when, you know, which I don't know if you hit on stress at all in your cookbook. I'm still I'm still getting my copy in the mail. It's it's uh, waiting on the mailman, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, so much stress is is put on performance itself your own performance, like living up to your own standards and meeting your own deadlines. And it sounds like you're probably like myself where you're kind of hard on yourself and you really need to get things done and oftentimes to your detriment. But, but anyway, I'm sure we could spend an hour on that. So we should probably talk about this book. Like I said, the cover looks awesome and you got the foreword written by Rob Wolf. So that's pretty cool. Did you just, how, how did that work out? Um, you know, Rob is always somebody, like I mentioned, that I've followed forever and ever. And, uh, we finally got to meet in person at paleo effects last year um, he and my husband are, are longtime friends, believe it or not. They've never met, but, um, so I finally got a chance to meet Rob and it was all like hugs and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm finally meeting you and thank you so much for everything. And, um, so we just kind of struck up that conversation and I wrote an article for him, uh, last year called Eating in All Directions. And so we just kind of kept up that dialogue and, and I pitched it to him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm writing this book on performance. I know you've talked a lot about how you've changed your, you know, your position or you've learned stuff over time, like, you know, trying to grapple and do BJJ being super low carb and how over time you, you found out that didn't work. So, you know, Rob's somebody who had such involvement in the CrossFit community and in what he does now, um, I felt like he was a really good fit to to introduce the concept to a kind of a newer, fresher audience and um, to talk about that sort of performance aspect of, of the way you can apply um, paleo principles to whatever you're doing. That's great. And people can't see you because I'm silly and I have not put a priority on recording video, but... <laughs> Stephanie, your shoulders. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, I need to try to re. I'm in a tank top. I need to like readjust myself so that I can make my shoulders pop out because this is. <laughs> I'm up against some some tough competition right now. So so what what I mean what are you into? You talk about some meat. So you obviously have some pictures of you doing some CrossFit stuff. What are your favorite? I don't know. Maybe your top three workouts that you think every woman, if they want to be kick ass, should be doing. Squatting, deadlifting, and some kind of pressing. So weightlifting, just doing some kind of, well, I'll say strength training because when I say weightlifting, I mean Olympic weightlifting. But I think some every human being needs to do some kind of weight training. Um, we don't, you know, like we're not 
laborer. A lot of us aren't laborers anymore. And that's not true for everybody, but certainly people who sit behind desks like, like you and me, a lot of the times, you know, we've lost that kind of ancestral component to the way we live, which is, you know, doing hard labor and moving things around and um, just having to deal with the daily physical toll of trying to keep up our homestead or our home and, and our camp and all that stuff. So I think weight training is super, super important. Um, I have stepped away from the CrossFit world a little bit, although I train at a CrossFit gym. But um, I knew for me personally, I needed to step away because I was doing the type of CrossFit that's preparing people for competitions, not just, you know, hey, I'm going to go hang out and I love this community and I'm, I'm going to go do a couple wads a week. I was training six days a week. Um, and I went to regionals in 2013 and it was an amazing experience. It was probably like the top three athletic things I've ever done. And I felt such a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment from being there. But, um, I knew with launching stupid easy paleo as my full-time business that I didn't have that kind of like stress capacity to, to deal with all that stress, um, from training. So I decided to step away from CrossFit type training and focus more on lifting heavy things. So, uh, I just, you know, do some reps and sit down in between and, uh, and it works really, really well. I'm able to control my stress levels a lot better. Um, you know, physically I'm in better shape, like in terms of injury and, and all this stuff. And as somebody who's getting older, um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's all stuff I try to keep in mind. So, um, so yeah, right now I'm weightlifting, but I've, I spent almost 10 years racing mountain bikes and, uh, I've, done all sorts of bike racing and running and endurance sports and triathlon and basically I've always been doing something but now it's a completely different type of training than I was doing back then well I mean it sounds you sound very wise for that because I mean it seems like every week now there's somebody new that's coming to me where CrossFit was the downfall of them because they just either sacrificed form too much or just did it too much and then you start getting leaky gut issues and now their gut screwed up and it's just you get down the rabbit hole pretty quickly once you start doing that. Well, you know, and the same can be said of, of like really long distance endurance sports too and CrossFit gets kind of a bad rap because a lot of the times uh, – CrossFit HQ is a little bit aggressive with how it protects itself and, you know, just is very um, almost negative in, in defending itself and its stance. And so it it draws a lot of attention and sometimes that attention is really negative. Um, but, you know, I think of the, the folks that I used to do triathlon with or run with and, you know, like everybody knows a runner who's just or a cyclist or a triathlete who's like constantly sick right? Like you can't, you, you're always getting cold, you can't get better, or you're dealing with like really severe, um, overtraining and overreaching, you know, like just in a dark place with your mood and stuff like that. So I feel like that stuff is just a little bit more accepted as part of the sport and what people go through because that stuff's been around for so much longer than CrossFit has, you know, CrossFit's still kind of the new kid on the block. But, um, but I think it's true of, of pretty much all sports across the board. And if you look at the average kind of career of, a, of an elite weightlifter, you know, you get some of the, the same things. The wear and tear is, is just really something that you can't overcome over time. And people are retiring by age 30 from international competition. So, um, you know, it's stuff that I think we bring on, on ourselves, no matter what sport we're in, if we're kind of blind to those other aspects, right? Not just everybody thinks about nutrition all the time, but they don't think about sleep. So they're, you know, getting up super, super early to try to go to class or they're going to bed really late because they have to try to fit in the rest of their life obligations. <laughs> and, um, you know, they don't think about their stress levels. They don't think about taking the time to mentally give themselves a break and um, they don't periodize their training. So, it's a it's a pretty complex equation, you know. It's not just the the food or the training. It's kind of everything together. Definitely, yeah. That's what I'm all about. That's why this is not just paleo. Because well, a I, <laughs> a I would be bored if that's all I talked about. But b because ninety percent of people that come to me are already doing paleo, and something else is off. You know, so that's sure. that's how it works. But let's get into some of these recipes because I'm curious about. 
what it actually takes for you specifically or what it takes for people, you know, because I'm going to start getting back into bodybuilding and stuff like that. And I'm kind of debating, I'm kind of going to play with it, but I'm kind of debating, you know, when I'm going to do organic white rice, if I'm going to add it in, if and when I'm going to do it. Is that something that you put inside or is this kind of like a pretty strict paleo book? Well, I will tell you that there are white potatoes in the book. There are places where protein powder is an option. And there is one recipe with white rice, although, um, you know, there are definitely places that you could swap out, say, cauliflower rice for it if you were going to up your carbohydrate intake. I don't think I don't think you could call this book strict paleo at all. And I'm I purposely did it that way because um, I think it was uh, I'm not going to remember who I read this by the other day, but um, it'll come to me. But the statement was something like, you know, we use paleo as, like, we describe paleo as a heuristic. Like, we say, it's low carb. Well, we're trying to explain something really complicated in a really simple statement. I mean, paleo is, on average, lower carb than a standard American diet. But if you're training really hard, your carb intake, at least from what I've seen, from what I've personally experienced, and um, from the people that come to me with problems, you know, carb intake is something that has to be higher than if you're sedentary. And, you know, for some people, a little bit of white rice post-workout is actually totally fine. Or if people are going to make the uh, the concession that protein powder is not nutritionally superior to, you know, other types of whole food, but it is more convenient in some cases, and they're willing to acknowledge that they're choosing something based on convenience, then to me, that's okay. And I think a lot of people have been turned off to using a paleo framework for their nutrition because they think, well, strict paleo means that you can't have any carbs (laughs) or, you know, I can't use my protein powder anymore. Or, you know, if they're struggling to get one gram per pound of body weight of protein a day, which if from, if you're getting it from meat is really like, it's actually really hard to do sometimes. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with using it as like the analogy I give is like a Mr. Potato Head, right? So you've got the Mr. Potato Head as kind of the the template of paleo, but how you're going to dress it up is going to change based on your own individual needs. And so I think my goal in writing the cookbook was to cast a wide net or to try to cast a wider net and to try to reclaim some of those people who are like, yeah, no, I can't do paleo. It doesn't work for me. Well, it turns out their version of paleo was like a 30 gram of carbs a day or less paleo. And they were doing CrossFit six times a week. Yeah. Wouldn't work. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and there's a disconnect there, right? Between, um, the input and the output, what people are expecting from themselves training wise and what they're actually putting in their bodies. So I think my goal is to really try to get people to soften a little bit more to this idea of like, Hey, eating an anti-inflammatory gut healing, um, nutrient dense protocol is actually something that's really great for athletes, but how you're going to customize it and tweak it based on your sport is just going to depend. Um, and if stuff like, Hey, if whey protein works for you, like, crack on if if white rice is great for post-workout for you because it's convenient you can buy it you know in bulk and make it ahead of time like it's not it's not necessarily my job to tell people what's right or wrong for them it's just to give them the the guidelines yeah so let's geek out a little bit together let's talk about what you do to sort of manage and play around with your diet because it's a constant i mean i've i've (laughs) been through the gamut it is a constant I don't know if we'd call it struggle, battle, but there's a constant adjustment always going on. You know, whether you like you jumped on a thousand podcast interviews today and you haven't eaten, so maybe today you did some blueberries and some grass fed whey, you know. So, I mean, what are you doing specifically to maintain your muscle for one? Because, I mean, like you mentioned, if you're going to be getting older and things like that, it's going to be continually harder with less growth hormone to keep repairing yourself, you know. So, talk us through that a little bit. What are you doing? specifically um i personally have recommitted to doing one gram of protein per pound of body weight a day which um, like i mentioned earlier is a struggle for me personally so sometimes i'll fill in um with a protein shake because it just you know if if i have the choice between like sitting down and making something from scratch or trying to 
stuff myself when I'm already really full. Um, sometimes I'll just drink it because it's easier and I can do that while I'm working. And it's, you know, it's just what I do. It doesn't mean that I'm recommending that for everybody. But um, but it helps me to get more protein. And so I'll throw some egg whites in there and stuff like that too. But, um, but I've seen a, a huge improvement in my recovery. Um, I'm 36 and <laughs> I'm training with a bunch of 20-year-olds. So I've seen, I've just felt um, more... I've felt an improvement in recovery um, between sessions and just able to handle the volume a little bit more. So that's one thing I'm doing. Um, I've actually upped my carb intake recently a little bit more and I've decreased my fat intake a little bit. I have a meet coming up at the end of March and I obviously have to make a weight class. And I'd rather not sit in a sauna and have to drop two kilos before my my meat. So, you know, when you write a cookbook, even if it's a paleo cookbook, you know, I just find my eating habits when I'm working on a cookbook kind of just get really crazy um, for me. Like they're not super regulated. And some days I'm eating a ton more and some days I'm not eating very much at all. And so um, to try to re kind of like redo my habits after all the cookbook nonsense happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just was like three meals a day back to basics, um, increase my protein. I've dropped my fat a little bit and upped my carbohydrate intake and, and that's working really well. So, what so do you, what's a good dinner for you? I mean, you, when do you lift? You lift in the afternoon, you said, right? Sort of your midday, maybe like a noon or. Yeah, I lift at noon. Um, and I, so I eat breakfast, um, a little bit, Talk us through a day like, of your food. I'm sure people are like, okay. what are you eating, Stephanie? I know it's mm-hmm. one gram. What? Yeah. People want to so, know, what's a plate look like? Yeah, so I'll wake up and um, I'll have some coffee. And my breakfast is going to be something like a can of wild-caught salmon. For me, that's really super easy in the morning because I don't have to cook it. I just pop it open. Um, we're on the West Coast, so we're always trying to catch up. Everybody, like I have a billion emails because everybody on the East Coast has been awake for three hours. So I try to start my day really fast. So it usually looks like a can of wild-caught salmon, uh, some sweet potato, um, some sauerkraut mixed up kind of all together with that and some berries and kale and stuff, you know, just kind of like, um, really, I try to go as nutrient dense on the fruit as I can. Cause I don't really like a lot of fruit, but I like berries. So I'll do like blueberries or raspberries. And so that's breakfast. Um, I'll go train at about noon and get home at about two thirty, And then I'll usually have some kind of like protein shake, but it's kind of on steroids. Um, where it's like whey protein or sometimes I do egg white protein with extra egg whites and sometimes I throw in a little bit more sweet potato, um, more berries. I throw in some spinach, a little bit of coconut milk and kind of, you know, just to give it some creaminess and then that's lunch um, most times. And then dinner will be just a gigantic chunk of lean protein so some kind of lean fish or chicken um, or pork tenderloin, something like that. I like to make a big bowl of soup. So I'll, I usually make bone broth and I'll put in some meat. I'll do a bunch of veggies like cabbage and carrots and snow peas and ginger and like green onions and just kind of throw it all in, in a pot and get a good broth going and add some fish sauce and coconut aminos. And something like that is generally dinner. But yeah, it's just making sure I'm getting enough protein. <laughs> um, and it, it can be a challenge for me to sit down and try to eat like three big plates of protein a day. It's, it's kind of hard. But I'm trying to do better with that. So Yeah, I mean you get a little bit tired too though on a, on a physical standpoint. For me, I notice if I'm eating so much, you're still sort of digesting. So really like figuring out the timing. You know, if there's anybody listening that's trying to figure out how to do that, that's, that's sort of the – the thing where I try to give myself like a two hour window at least and it sounds like you are like after the time you eat before you work out otherwise you're just kind of like lethargic and like a little grumpy person in the gym yeah I usually wake up um and eat well I eat at about nine o'clock in the morning so I don't eat right away um it's almost like a I just take a little break there and then uh then I try to time my breakfast like you said so that I'm not still like super in digesting mode but it hasn't been 
five or six hours since I uh, since I woke up. I'm so. I'm I'm seriously loving your your cat's life right now. For people that aren't going to be able to see the video, her cat is just chilling out in the sun, trying to steal that little that little sliver of sunshine that's still left on the table. I mean, sometimes I mean, do you do you feel like you're you're so trapped up in the wheel of of productivity? I mean, like you have this meat coming on. I mean, do you get so wrapped up in all this that you just you need a decompression or do you wait until you hit the wall or i mean because like i said you've been doing this longer than me so i'm sure you've been through the sort of cycle where you feel like i'm going to hit a wall pretty soon so i think we should talk a little bit about that and how to prevent something like that from happening (laughs) so friday and saturday i was really buried in some projects that i was working on and it you know it's the type of stuff where I'm generating all of the images in Photoshop and there's like a million little micro adjustments and I'm editing hex codes and colors and fonts and all this stuff and it you know takes a lot of concentration. So I knew Sunday I wasn't going to want to do anything and I could feel it. I was just kind of like, get me through Saturday. And, uh, and so Sunday I didn't, yesterday I didn't really do all that much work-wise because I knew if I tried to push myself... I would just be no good for anything. So I went to the farmer's market and I, you know, took some food photos for fun and because I enjoy it and, and just had a, had a chill day. But I, I really try to keep myself from like that whole almost like binge cycle of work. Like obviously when there's something launching, things get a little crazy, but I know that if I let myself get too far afield that I just kind of don't, the malaise is very real and I don't feel like doing very much. I'm not very sharp and um, it prevents me from really doing my best work when I get super tired like that. So I try to kind of, you know, like keep it under the red line, if you will, and, and, and not go over that boundary all that much. So I'm, I'm more or less somebody who tries to keep it on an even keel, but, uh, but I'm definitely, I will definitely put my head down sometimes and, and not realize that it's been (laughs) hours and that I just want to spend the whole next day watching episodes of Chopped. Yeah. I (laughs) What camera do you use by the way? Uh, I use a Nikon D610. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I'm yeah. a Nikon guy myself. I was just curious. Nice. You can almost tell the difference in the pictures, the way they turn out of Nikons compared to Canon. Canon seem, I mean, I know you can always edit everything in Lightroom or Photoshop, but I'm I can almost always tell a Nikon picture for some reason. Yeah, photography is yeah. super fun for me too. I mean, I did that for a while, taking engagement photos and stuff like that, and. I've taken a lot of blog pictures, you know, like me outside and with my shirt off and showing my chest hair and fun stuff like that just to <laughs> try to add like a personal touch to the website. But it's definitely something that, that I would like to integrate more. I mean, because I'm guessing you took all of these pictures for the actual cookbook, which is pretty sweet. You didn't just cultivate recipes and then it's like, oh, photographs by so-and-so. I mean, you're you're kind of the real deal. So that's cool. Yeah, it was a crazy we I shot the photos in a month, uh, and it was a little bit intense, but I kind of wanted the challenge, and I told my publisher, my the original photographer that they had kind of scheduled to do everything for me fell through, and so they presented me with a couple more options, and I just wasn't very happy with those choices, and I said, um, so let's talk about me shooting the book again, and they said, all right, go ahead, and it was a crazy month of June last year just really immersed in all of it but um you know when you're forced to take 90 90 like full recipe setups in a month you get really good at stuff because you have to think on your feet yeah so do you have huge external hard drives i mean if i were to actually do something like that yeah we were actually just talking the other day about upgrading to like a four terabyte that standing, is huge. standing hard drive is you know when you have to shoot in raw those files are very large and i'm not really good about deleting old stuff or going through and really getting rid of stuff that i don't want which i should do but um you know just working on jobs for clients and stuff like that too you just amass an enormous amount of photography data but um do but you yeah do, we, you do like other food photography or what other kind of stuff are you doing 
So I freelance and I do projects for um, people that I know or I just shot a, a book as a freelancer with my publisher. So I did the photos for somebody else's book. And yeah, I just try to pick up jobs here and there when I can. And I I love it. If I could, you know, like I hate to admit this, but if I could just have somebody else write my recipes on the blog now, I think I would. I like the photography part so much better. Because um, when you're writing recipes for a book, it gets really nitpicky. Like you really, it's not like a blog where you can go back and change things later. It's pretty much set in stone once it goes out. So if you're doing a print book, the, the stakes are a little bit higher. And uh, yeah, so I think throughout doing books, I, I've discovered that I like the photography aspect a bit more. Because I was always kind of a creative kid growing up. I like to draw and um, do crafts and stuff like that. And then when I went to college, I studied science. So I kind of lost touch with a lot of that, and uh, and now I think photography, in a way, as an adult, is just like getting in touch with my artistic side again. So that's funny you say that because I feel like I mean even for myself and a lot of other people, once you establish a, a good following and once you become the person that people want, and and you know you tell me if this is wrong for you, but for me, I'm an extremely extroverted person, like. I mean, last year at Paleo FX, I mean, I'm talking to every single person. I'm just so – I'm stealing all their good vibes and just supercharging my batteries. <laughs> but the longer that I do internet stuff – and maybe this is partly, you know, because of the social isolation that you experience, you know, working online. But I find myself kind of zooming back out and becoming a little bit more introverted and kind of pulling myself away from the picture because there's sort of like a, a two versions of you. There's the you in your head, and then there's the you on paper or, or on the internet of the website. Like this is the me out here, and then in your head, it's sort of a different wheel spinning. I don't know if you could speak on that at all. I'm a very shy person um, when I'm around new people, and I'm actually extremely introverted. <laughs> um, so I'll go to things like paleo effects like I did last year and I'll spend the day and I, I love talking to people and I love being, um, you know, just interacting with people. But I, I got back to my hotel last year and just literally collapsed. <laughs> like I need to be alone for a while. And um, so going out to do seminars and going out to do conferences and book signings and stuff I absolutely love it but I need I need so much time to recharge my battery like <laughs> and just kind of be quiet for a while and just be still so um I've always been that way but now I think the the dichotomy is so much more striking for me because I used to spend all day up in front of a classroom of students talking or um you know, just interacting with people face to face nonstop. And now, I mean, if I don't go to the gym and I don't go to the grocery store, I don't see really anybody except I wave to my neighbors when they walk by, you know, so the different, like the, the distinction between going to an event like paleo effects and my daily is now so much, it's so much more binary because I'm, I'm spending so much time alone. Like it's almost like a bigger shock to the system. And I, it's almost like I'm out of practice. So when I go to events like that, I just feel like I need some, I need a bubble bath. Yeah, like, it's like, how do I be a human again? Like, <laughs> how do I talk to people? I know it's it's really weird, and, and that's funny that you say that though. And I, I'm just I'm spending so much time on this on this kind of aspect because I'm I'm really curious. Like I said, I mean, you have, you know, you have a lot more traction in the health space, and I just see that a lot of people you can really start to see people get sort of burned out and so i'm kind of like you know getting some some inspiration and some inside secrets from you and i'm sure that you know the audience is getting a lot from it too because i'm kind of riding the wave and i see how there's the potential to really derail your health just to make a living and i'm trying to you know be very cautious about that yeah you know i think um when you look at some of the folks who are more well-known in, in the health sphere or the fitness or paleo or whatever, like you name it, like you think of the top people in those industries and it's deceiving because number one, they're, they didn't just get there overnight, like by and large, unless they're complete overnight success. And, and number two, a lot of them have 
significant size teams behind them that are doing things or even if it's a team of like say less than five or less people that still spreads the the burden of the work around and um and it might not seem like that's what's happening and you think wow that person is literally doing it all and in some cases they are um but in a lot of cases they're not they're working with recipe writers or content developers or they have social media strategists or they have PR people you know like you name it they have somebody on call to fix their website if something breaks and when you're bootstrapping and you're you're new to the game um, I find I found a lot of value in learning how to do a lot of those things myself because now if something goes wrong with my email service I know how to get in and fix it really quickly I don't have to wait three days for some tech guy to fix it for me or somebody that I've hired to to do it so you know, I, I think it's important to learn that sort of stuff, but over time I've had to let go of wanting to do everything myself. Um, and I'm, I'm still, I think, a baby at that. I'm still just starting to hire out and outsource certain things. Um, but yeah, appearances aren't always what they seem. And if, if you think like, wow, somebody is super mega successful and they're doing this all on their own, like, that's like I'm going to have to do it all on my own or people try to do it all themselves and they end up just super burnt out. And in our industry, you know, it's like consistency over time is the name of the game um, for growth and getting big and getting a following. And people always want to like, you know, the, the, the social media strategy and like how to get big really fast is always super popular because people just want to grow really rapidly but I don't think that's realistic for most people. You just have to be in it for the long game. The people that you see out there at the top of their industry, they're survivors. They've lasted, they've outlasted everybody else who started because they thought blogging would be fun. And then they're like, well, I really hate blogging. I'm not going to do this anymore. Or they realized that they couldn't post, you know, once and then four months later post again you know because consistency matters and and trying to grow the loyalty of your audience is really important um and so that they trust you they know that you're going to be there but uh you know i think just to kind of if other people bloggers or whoever's out there listening like don't be so hard on yourself you know if you're starting out and you feel like you can't do it all just do what you can and and like baby steps and moving forward is more important than trying to take the biggest leap of your life and hoping that it works. A lot of good wisdom in there. I really appreciate that. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, and a lot of people, you know, I would almost say that if you were back in a situation like me where I was out building hiking trails, you know, do I love reaching, you know, over 2 million people on a podcast across the world? Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's super good. But at a certain point, you got to be kind of selfish, and I know a lot of people reframe that word and call it self first, you know. But I felt great being outdoors, and now it's that much more work to be outdoors. I have to do it as a leisure time instead of getting paid to be outdoors. So it just takes on a whole new thing. And like for you, your your gym thing, I'm sure that's part of your sanity is your gym. Where if you were say a personal trainer training people, you'd be getting in, you'd be in there to get paid. Now it's it's you have to go there i don't want to use the word escape but you have to get there or you're gonna go crazy and not maintain yourself like you would like to so true so true (laughs) well cool well we have just a couple minutes but i want to make sure people have the opportunity to keep up with you and you know if you have any last words of wisdom or you know i I feel like this is this has been pretty pretty fun uh podcast together but if there's anything else that you think people should know about you or you know kind of stuff you've gone through that may help them i'm happy to happy to hear it you know, I would just say for other people who are, are trying to break into this industry is try to connect with why you want to do it and, and really try to connect with your purpose. And if you can, you know, if your purpose is to try to just make a bunch of money and be sipping coconut water on some kind of tropical island, like that's your number one goal, um, and, and you don't have people's best interest at heart, you know, sometimes those things just don't match up. So yeah, obviously you can't go to the grocery store and pay for your groceries with like, Hey, here's a list of all the people I helped today. (laughs) You still need to, to make money and be able to support yourself. But 
if your intentions are true and you're just coming from a place of you're super passionate about what you're doing and you love it and you want to help people to solve whatever problem it is that you're equipped to solve, the rest of it will fall into place. And, uh, you know, you just have to be willing to work hard to, to get your message out there. But, um, yeah, just to, to, to connect with your purpose and, and why you want to do what you want to do and, and the rest will will figure itself out. Yep, I totally agree. And then tell people where they can keep up with you. You have a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, pick your, your top three things you want people to check out. Um, definitely check out the Performance Paleo Cookbook, which is available pretty much on every major you know, like online book retailer and at Barnes and Noble. Um, definitely hang out with me on Instagram because that is my f- number one favorite social media to be on. I just love pretty pictures and like to share things. So uh, at Stupid Easy Paleo on Instagram and just anywhere else that uh, that you type in Stupid Easy Paleo <laughs> into social media. So that's my handle everywhere. And um yeah, so at some point very soon, I well, I'll let the cat out of the bag here. I am starting a podcast of my own, which will be very interesting. But I would love for you to to be on it, so I'd people love can to. people can stay tuned for a podcast <laughs> from me. Sure, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad it's 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 a blast. I, I I'm so thankful that that I, I that I've started one and. It, it's addicting and to me it's the funnest part of all, of all this i mean blog writing and book writing and products and all that's cool but i mean talking to people i mean you're gonna feel you're gonna feel like a million bucks once you start getting in the groove with talking to people i swear and you're you're like an og of podcasting so hopefully there, there you go it's the, <laughs> it's the new hot thing but you have a lot of wisdom there to yep. to share Yep. Well, awesome. It's been great talking with you and I look forward to talking with you when, whenever the time's right. When's this podcast coming? Have you recorded <laughs> episodes yet or what? I have all my equipment and I've been playing around with, with all of my, just, just doing test runs and, and doing stuff. So I'm hoping I, I'm going to put a date out there because it'll make me uh, have some kind of deadline, but I'm, I'm going to say by the end of May, we should start hearing some stuff rolling out. That sounds good. Maybe we can trade some podcasting. I'll trade you some podcasting tips for Instagram tips because that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my ebook. I'll send you my Instagram okay. ebook. That sounds great. That'd probably be easier <laughs> than spending time explaining everything step by step. So people could check that out too. That may be a cool resource. Tell us about that real quick and then we'll let you go. Yeah, everybody. So a lot of the things I write about are things that people ask me for, <laughs> you know. So. Uh, a lot of people are like, "How does your how does your Instagram grow so fast? And how did you get so many followers?" And it's really it's really stuff that's true in business overall. It's like be consistent, don't be a jerk, and show show and share high quality um, information that helps your audience. So I decided to put together a little ebook that um, has more. It's more or less geared toward people that have a food and or physical product because as food bloggers. Uh, you know, we kind of have it easy. Like we have something to show and food is a universal thing. So people connect with that really easily and it's easy to represent in a photo. But um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit specific to that, but it just kind of goes through how, how to network and um, take photos that don't suck and make people interested in what you have to say. I'd say use common sense would be helpful too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, use common sense, a much underutilized skill these days. Yep, definitely. Well, cool, Stephanie. Thank you for spending time with us, and we'll send people back to your website, and I'll put links to all that on the show notes. So, I appreciate it, and I'll definitely share it when it comes out. All right, thank you, and talk to you later. All right, Bye. take care. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed that show, and. I'm glad that I finally got to talk about some of the white elephants in the room because a lot of people out there that listen to the show, you guys are in the trenches yourself as a health coach or maybe a personal trainer or maybe you're a chiropractor or you have your own nutrition practice that you're trying to build and everyone, when you get together behind the scenes, everyone talks about what's going on. Everyone talks about the hard part. We talk about our success stories as well, but most of the time when you go to events and things like that, it's sort of a decompression event where people are talking about the struggles. 
at least for me and in, in my circle of people i don't know maybe some people just stick to the hello how are you good how are you model but i typically try to dive deep and figure out what's actually going on behind the scenes and so i'm glad we got to to hear it from someone with more experience than myself and this is a great opportunity for the timing of this podcast just because i'm about halfway through with my next project which is called health blogger pro and you can sign up for updates at that at healthbloggerpro.com. And this is teaching you everything from if you don't have a website to how you get that up and running to podcast creation, podcast editing, social media strategy, how you can manage your time. There's a section called calendar hacking. I go through all the essential plugins that it takes to build a site and get your podcast integrated into iTunes, how to get more reviews on iTunes. And eventually topping it off with, how do you actually make money doing this? How, how do you write a book? How do you make online projects? How do you support yourself and feed your family while helping people at the same time? It's sort of a tricky, a tricky thing to do because a lot of the content that you give, probably 95 to 98% of the content you give away is free. So in that 2%, that's where you have to make a living. And uh, money is not evil, so if you have that stuck in your eyes or in your head, uh, that's the first step that you have to break through to understand that you are helping people and that deserves financial return so you can eat and nourish yourself like you need to. But I encourage you to check out this project. It's halfway through development right now, and as soon as I get done with this recording, I'm going to be jumping back on and, and finishing some work on that for the day. But I hope you have a good one. And healthbloggerpro.com, once again, that's the website. Basically, now you're just going to put your email in so that you can get the first three steps you need to take. And then I'll keep you updated with the rest of the project on the podcast. So, all right. Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye. A gargle line never leaves her She doesn't have a clue that he's never on clothes Why I'm in a tire, got to watch out, girl Don't 